Today's episode is brought to you by Kind Bar. Kind is deeply committed to crafting food with real, recognizable ingredients, a disruptive notion that sparked the creation of a new healthy snacking category. Kind is unapologetic in their efforts to challenge the status quo, to shift the food industry, and empower their community and our listeners to make better, informed choices about health. Kindness can be a transformative force for good, and that is why we are teaming up with Kind in Podgo to bring our listeners 10% or 15% off for military teachers, students, first responders, doctors, and nurses. Go to podgo.co slash kind. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O slash kind. Kind Bar, creating a kinder and healthier world, one act, one snack at a time. episode of the so-called Oreos podcast the podcast where we discuss all the awkwardness hardship and hilarity that comes along with society labeling you white on the inside and black on the outside also known as an Oreo I'm Kia Swin and I'm here with my beautiful co-host Amari Pollard and I promise. Let's get it. Also, guys, today's today is Janae's birthday. So happy Whoa. birthday! Thank happy you. birthday! It's it, this will be um a week. Yeah, late, it'll be a but... week late. My birthday is on January eighteenth. <laughs> for you know those listeners who might want to send me a gift, you know. Sign up for that Patreon, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, that's a gift. Sign up for the Patreon or buy our merch. That's a gift. It's also MLK Day. And I, I wanted to tweet something, but I'm trying to get a job. So I'm like, damn, I can't really tweet how I want to tweet. <laughs> what were you going to tweet? <laughs> I, I wanted to tweet like, when did white people get obsessed with MLK? Because, you know, it's like this day where like all the racists and all the whites are like, MLK, he would have you know fought lightness with dark and it's like y'all are problematic like Ivanka Trump tweeted about MLK Day and it's like are you I don't know it's just like weird that they have like this weird obsession and every time they like fight with black people they bring up MLK would be mad at you or something you know what I'm saying I'm like when did this come about but they do purposefully and and they they know what they're doing when they do it and my thing is if out of all the civil rights activists the only person you can name or reference is Martin Luther King Jr. They never reference Malcolm X. Then you're probably a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I think I think I've seen a lot of white people always being very pro Martin Luther King. Like it's like, ooh yeah, Martin Luther King. Like you always have those few woke friends that'll like post a picture and everyone else is like, yay. Um, but that's the only one that people talk about. And I always felt some type of way on Martin Luther King Day because it's kind of like I love that we honor Martin Luther King and he completely deserves it, but we need to bring this same energy to everyone else. And we don't. Yeah. So, well, it's because in white America, they only like allow you to teach about like two black folk and it's Martin Luther King and Rose Parks. And that's, and then Malcolm if. X is the bad Negro. Yeah. Malcolm X is like, don't be like him. Yeah. Be like Martin. But also people forget that Martin, at the end of his life, Martin Luther King was becoming a little bit more radical he got and killed. more outspoken in different ways. Right. So they don't talk about or like Fred Hampton, how the FBI like literally shot him in the Yep. Shot him up in his house with his pregnant and fiance. They say towards the end of Malcolm's life he was um becoming more peaceful. 
Oh, so people don't talk about that. Yeah, I don't. I never hear that either. Um, and that movie with about is it about Malcolm X? No, it's about Fred Hampton. Sorry, the Black Messiah movie. Oh, yes. I didn't see it. Judah and the Black Messiah. It's coming on. Um, I think it's coming in theaters or HBO Max soon. It's oh, with okay. the guy from Queen and Slim. Oh, with um. Uh, he's with, it's with my husband Daniel. I'm gonna mess up his last name. Kalua, Kalu, 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 yeah, Kalu, yeah, yeah. So that'll be interesting. Talking to my dad about that the other day because he's he's British, and so you know, there's this whole debate in Black culture whether Black Brits should be able to play Black Americans, and I just find that debate. Um, I really yeah, I've heard Denzel but, Washington yeah. talk about that. I think I I get it from both sides. It's kind of like um, he's Black, so I'm gonna root for him. But I do think it's kind of like being a black Brit and being a black American are two different experiences. And I think people would like to see black Americans portray black Americans just because it's, it's such a sensitive history. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's something that like, I feel like unless you grew up and lived in black America, like that's not something you can really relate to. Not in terms of acting, like I'm sure he's going to do a good job, but I just, I think American history is so particular that I, I kind of get that. I mean, I agree and disagree. I think my disagreeing is not, is that maybe this is going to sound bad or people might come for me, but I think it's, it's a different experience than being black in America, but also being black in, in England is also on like, it's the plane is, there are a lot of overlapping. So it's not that hard. I think for that person to necessarily put themselves in that place because a lot of the experiences That's are very true. similar maybe not as in maybe not as intensified but i definitely think there are probably a lot of similar experiences to what we deal with and because you know Brits no, they're, be racist they're too. super like, racist and i think that's why he got like, casted because i think you know people did think like oh it's not too far off like you can do it but i i do kind of get it like you know black america is such a, a such a niche where it's like um I think people just want to see, you know, see a black American portray these people. Um, but, you know, I'm still going to watch it. I'm still going to root for him and I'm excited to see it. Um, I did want to talk to you guys about Bling Empire really quick. I don't know if you guys have watched it or heard it. Wait, Bling um, Empire? Yes, it's a new show on Netflix. And right, you got the. Yeah, I wanted to text you guys about it. But I was like, no, I'm going to tell them on the podcast. So Bling Empire, it is basically if you watched Selling Sunset on Netflix, it's about like um, selling houses in like L.A. and Hollywood and uh, like the rich kind of lifestyle of that. And then Crazy Rich Asians combined is Bling Empire. And I think it's so interesting. If It's a reality show. Is it a reality show? show? It's, a reality show. It? it's eight episodes on Netflix. It's about like affluent Asians in LA and like they they stay together because they um it's not a lot of them so like they have like this kind of like click of like wealthy Asians and they each like have gotten wealth in um different ways and some ones from like Singapore ones from Korea ones um adopted ones like they have like different backgrounds in Asia but you know they're all like very wealthy like wealthy to like crazy rich Asians like wealthy wealthy um 
but there's one guy who's who wasn't born rich he's actually adopted by white people and i actually want him on the podcast because he's he's he talks about being adopted by white people and how he, he wanted to be white growing up and how he never like felt like felt like he like was included and then he went to la and started hanging out with like mostly only like asian people um so and he's the only one that's like not rich um so it's interesting to see that perspective as well but they did a good job of like doing different generations because there's one woman who's like 60 and she's like half russian half japanese and her she was like born into wealth like she her dad or grandfather like made makes weapons for like the u.s government like that's a type of money like it's just so blood money yes and she like you know half russian so it's like like you just don't mess with her like that's her like her thing um it's just so many different like dynamic characters and i think it's 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 just like it was so interesting to me because it's like oh you have like wealthy asian people and it's it's different than like you know we kind of always see wealthy white people but this was just like I don't know. It was just really interesting to me. Um, so I like, kind of like seeing things like that. So I've been binging it. I'm on episode six, I think. So I like three more. Um, but it tackles a lot of different things. Like this one woman is like um, trying to find her father that left her at a young age. This other girl is like going through like kind of like a very toxic relationship. Um, but yeah. And I also thought it was interesting because I read comments on on Twitter when Netflix like put it out and like it was interesting that a couple people were like commenting like we only see asian representation and that they're like rich um they don't they don't like seeing like um representation like that which i thought was super interesting because that's just so different from like black people you know like our we're like don't present us as slaves only and like their their concern is like don't you know show us only being rich so i just thought that was super interesting um but yeah that's just what i wanted to see about bling empire comments yeah is the asian oreo hot or no oh he's fine he's a model you need to look up the, i was like janae needs to look up this cast fantastic um <laughs> he's fine and then my my second comment is i was actually watching uh jubilee I, I love the videos that they put out they do a lot of videos where it's kind of like people that are in similar situations are on a spectrum and they have to agree or disagree to questions or they do other things where people of different ethnic groups and different situations kind of sit down and talk about how they feel so I yesterday I watched this one about Asian people and black people and they had three Asian people three black people discussing questions about how Asian and black communities don't always get along and it was so funny because they were talking about how Asian people always have positive stereotypes black people always have negative stereotypes and how that kind of has separated Asian and black people and it's kind of made Asian people the model minority and black people the not model model minority so it's interesting because you bring that up and now i'm like you know yeah you should watch it you might (laughs) like it i mean i i I like i don't watch a lot of reality tv when i do i like it to have like some type of substance whether it's like a competition or like like with selling sunset i did love it was like about houses so like you do learn a little bit about like real estate um it wasn't just like i don't know i just never been into like the real housewives or like the hills or something like that i don't know that's just me so i i just thought it was so interesting to like bring attention to this like real life crazy rich asians that like most of us probably have never like encountered with but yeah let me know if you guys check it out (laughs) but my favorite i'm definitely gonna check it out because i just finished real housewives of potomac and so now i'm struggling to figure out what to watch next but my favorite was like in college when i would come across people that 
were just like obsessed with their family wealth or thought they were wealthy. And it was just funny to me because I'm like, you think, yes, in America, maybe they're, they're like the spectrum of wealth is so big that that it's like, you think this is wealthy, go to a different country and y'all want to talk about how America's on some other shit. Like it's the the access to wealth in other places is really interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch it. Okay, friends. So just a friendly reminder, our Patreon is live and our merch line is live. And if you're white, you can get things that say talking white isn't a thing. I've, a lot of our white listeners have been like, can I get this? Are you guys going to do some other stuff? Yes, you can get it. I promise it'll be okay. No one's going to fight you if you have a shirt that says choose black women. If they do, you can also just like tag so-called Oreos and I'll like rip them the shreds for free um and just follow us on all social media and do our survey because we want to improve the podcast for you well i'm gonna go into this week in black history um before we get into our topic and black professionals we love January 25th, 1851, Sojourner Truth addressed the first Black Women's Rights Convention in Akron, Ohio. And then on January 26, 1990, Elaine Weddington Stewart was named Assistant General Manager of the Boston Red Sox, making her the first Black woman executive of a professional baseball organization. And that's this week in Black history. to Black professionals we love. This week, I want to highlight actress and director Regina King. Her directorial debut, One Night in Miami, was just released on Amazon Prime, and it's already getting a lot of Oscar buzz. Uh, Back in September, fun fact, it actually premiered at the Venice Film Fest... I can't talk. The Venice Film Festival, making it the first film directed by a Black American woman to be selected in the festival's history which is crazy because that shit's been going on for a while. Um, but like what I really admire about Regina King is her work ethic. Back in November, I was listening to her interview on the podcast Awards Chatter, where she spoke about shadowing directors on set and then uh, completing ABC's directing program because she really wanted to work with Shonda. But some scheduling things happened. So she ended up uh, shadowing another um working with another director on a different show. Um, But I just thought that was a really interesting thing. And last episode, we talked about self-imposed deadlines and finding success later on in life. And I think Regina King is just the perfect example of what it means to pivot and realize a different part of your dreams later on in your career. So today's discussion, we wanted to talk about our problematic faves to like, you know, bring in the new year. We just kind of wanted to do something light and funny Um, in case you guys don't know what a problematic fave is. It may seem like really obvious from the name, but it's someone who has done or said very stupid things um, or always just puts their foot in their mouth once they get in the spotlight or, you know, messages of them leaked saying that they were a can. Army Hammer, but you still love and support them anyway. Um, And this episode, like I said, is strictly for fun, shits and giggles. Don't judge us because we all support someone or something that we probably shouldn't. If you don't recycle, if you're not taking care of this earth, you support something that you shouldn't. So don't, don't come for us for liking these people. 
<laughs> you know, because I feel I feel like when you automatically say problematic fave, right? If I go on here saying that I like someone who someone else is like, oh my God, they're the worst fucking person. How could you ever? You're so dumb. It's like, bro, we all like and do something that we probably shouldn't be. We're human. Yes, I agree. Only one I will draw. I mean, there are multiple ones I will draw a hard line for. But if your problematic fave is Donald Trump, this is like, yeah, that's, yeah. That's. <laughs> if it has anything to do with mistreating children, uh, mistreating animals, murder, <laughs> um, just being oppression, a t- oppression <laughs> I'm not going to support you um but if it's just you know we're talking about the light ones you know yeah like the, we're, we're talking about the light ones well kind of kind no, of yeah some of. of these are actually pretty deep some of these are actually pretty deep but we're going on here we're bearing our soul to you guys oreo gang don't judge us have fun get into the conversation don't take this too seriously so my problematic faves are ariana grande K-pop as a whole. At first, I was going to put BTS, but I'm like, BTS is one of the good ones. So I put K-pop as a whole. And then teen dramas. Like what type of teen dramas? Are there specific ones or just like the genre? The genre. The the entire genre, girl. Because I've never seen a not problematic teen drama. Never. Think. Have you ever seen one that doesn't deal with tropes that oppress people in some way? specifically women and specifically young women i think maybe i think now because the people are more aware and just the climate that we're in i think some of the ones that are being done more are very very self-aware one i'm trying to think of is that seems like pretty um progressive is like sabrina like the remake of sabrina the teenage witch Mm. um because there's just like a lot of um just you know i think more so with like how people identify i think it's very progressive in that way a lot of gender fluidity and just um in that area but i'm sure if i looked closer like i could probably find something, you could prob- probably oh, find something. Found something problematic the black girl is like is has like powers and like visions and like does like you know voodoo shit and it's always like why the black people got to do all the voodoo shit so yeah those are my problematic faves in a few beats we're going to get into why there are problematic faves um and what is problematic about them but i figured we could just all start off by saying what our problematic faves are who our problematic faves are so mine are very basic i guess and like from i'll just say i kia and janae like to make fun of me because i'm like i don't have any people that i like that are problematic and that's not it what it what is it is that i am so late to the train that by the time i like hop on someone that i like it's really late in the game and then they say something problematic and it's easy for me to like jump ship like i was talking earlier how i started to like doja cat and then she said we'll get into that later where she did some problematic things and i was like oh i'm not really attached to her so i can jump off of this really easily um but from childhood and also kind of adulthood, Stephanie Meyer from Twilight, she's problematic. J.K. Rowling, just... Mm. Um, Allison Romaine, I used to... I'm really into, like, cooking and, like, food docs, and she's very problematic. I think she's on her, like, comeback. Um, and then I mentioned Doja Cat, um, but those are just a few. And they're all white. Jeez. When we were, you know, coming up with the outline for this, Kia commented and mentioned 
is are you going to put Kanye on your list? And for those of you who don't know, I've been a Kanye West fan for a very, very long time, like diehard Kanye fan. But I don't claim him anymore. Um, and I guess this is something that I kind of it's not 100% black and white for me because I do respect him as an artist still, but I made a decision um, a few years ago, maybe like a year or two ago to stop listening to his music. Um, at this point, I do understand that a lot of this has to do with mental health, um, but a large part of me feels like he's lost and he needs help and he's not working on getting help for himself. Um, and I've just decided that I don't really want to support someone right now who's not working on getting help for themselves and who has a tendency to, I don't know, blame people instead of looking at himself. That's kind of what it seems like he does a lot to me. Um, so I've just decided to take a step back from him. So I don't claim him no more, but I can talk for days about Kanye's earlier projects, Kanye before he started getting political and stuff like that. So mama not claiming Kanye no more. I was just going to say, it really does suck. Like, I think a lot of people nowadays are struggling with this too, just how easy it is for people's problematic ways to be exposed just with social media and the access we have. But how I think a lot of people are trying to figure out how to separate the artists themselves from the art they create and I don't really I don't I don't know that you you can I feel like sometimes like you said Janae I find out certain things and it just warps the way I look at the art and I just can't um I can't support it in that way or like the other day I was watching one night in Miami and one of the you know civil rights activists that they've highlighted in the movie was Jim Brown. So I was looking up all these people and trying to figure out their history. And Jim Brown has a really bad history of like sexual assault charges or just like domestic violence charges. And it was just like, it just changed the way I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have looked that up during the movie. Cause it really, I was just like, I'm just like not interested in this anymore. Um, but it is hard. How do you separate the art from the artist? Yeah, that's a huge <sighs> thing. And I, I think it, it, it has to be on a personal level, to be honest with you. I think for me, it's more so of how, how do I sit with this and how do I feel about supporting this person? Because I know good and doggone well, you know, it's been in the news that Kanye and Kim are probably getting a divorce. And knowing Kanye on his next, next album, he's definitely going to have a song talking shit about Kim. But it's like, you married her. You knew who she was before you got married to her and while you were married to her. And you decided to make that decision. Like, he's that type of guy. And I'm like, I can't support that. I just but can't. I think it's like what the question with like, how do you just just um, separate the art from the artist? I just I don't know if that's ever to me. I just personally don't think that's like a fair excuse because I think like, if, if you're supporting something, someone you're supporting, like you're giving money to them, you're giving money to, to your, you're funding their lifestyle. You're funding them having a platform. They know I can keep doing this because it doesn't matter what I say. You guys love the art. You love me singing. You love me rapping. And, and I think the read said this too, is like, is Kanye's rap worth like all that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, okay, you get a little rap. Y'all can't find another rapper to like, like it, it, it to me, it's kind of just like, you can say that's like 
being like, I'm going to separate Trump the person from Trump the president. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you can't. You can't do it. Like, it's like, what are you just going to like stand him outside the president? Like, yeah, he did all that messed up stuff. But like, so I I personally feel like that's a cop out for people because I'm like, if you're going to fund their lifestyle, they're going to keep doing it. They're going to be like, I have a platform. There's no reason for me to stop. Um, And I just think, again, with like morals and values is someone rapping or shaking their ass like worth, uh, you know, the other problematic things. That's how my idea. I totally agree. I, I hear what you're saying. And I think sometimes too, it's the, I think people kind of approach it like their relationships. Like, you know, when you have a longevity with an artist or like they're attached to so many memories or whatnot, and then you're like, you're deep in it. And then you find out, oh shit, this person is really problematic. It feels like you have to take a lot of time to like rewind and like take yourself out of that. Because I think it's, I think it's unrealistic to say that you can just like, cut them straight off like Janae was saying with Kanye was like I cut back and then I was I realized like I had to really just like cut this off but I do think that takes time and patience like I'm still trying to I'm trying to stop watching Harry Potter movies but I just get in these moods where I'm like I want to watch Harry Potter but JK Rowling is so problematic she's been out for like what 10 no how long has Harry Potter been out like 20 years it's over 20 over 20 it came out in the 90s yeah, so that's like the books. That's a long time to like. I, I get that. That's a fair point. To the, it's a long time to um to cut someone off. But we'll go into like more of like when you have to cut someone off. But what did I write down for my problematic faves? Because I don't even remember. I feel like everyone I like is. Pro- oh, that's a long list. Okay. Um, I said Ariana Grande, Dua Lipa, The Weeknd, Adele, J Cole, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, and then I said it used to be. These are people I kind of like cut off altogether. Ava DuVernay. Kevin Hart, Tiffany Haddish, and I'll go into why they're probably Yeah, that's a long list. Yeah. I'm really curious about Kia's list of reasons why. Like, I'm like, I feel like I know, but I don't Do you know. Do want me to just go why. into it? That's yeah. Next thing. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I'll go through, I'll keep it short because I have a long list. So, Ariana Grande, I mean, I'll let Janae, I saw that you had, had an explanation. Um, I'll let Janae go more into that, which is a quick, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm biased because I, I never got the whole like nigger fish thing. Um, but I can see why it's problematic. And I know she does stuff with like licking the donuts and said America sucks, which I personally didn't have an issue with, but people did. Um, but again, I could be biased because I was like, fuck America. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't really care, but I know a lot of people were mad about that. She said like America sucks or America's fat and lick those donuts or something. Um, I thought it was just unsanitary and gross. It is unsanitary gross. Problem. That was gross. But I was like, I don't really have an issue with the comments. Um, but again, I I could be biased. Um, I'll let Janae do more of the niggerfish thing. Um, okay, Dua Lipa. That, this was recently because I love Dua Lipa. She's up there in my top four. Um, I'm just getting into her. See, this is what I'm talking about. So it's not. She's not. She's not as bad. She's not as bad. But I wanted to bring her up because she's been called out but like her fans and other people i think i sent you guys a tweet where she's like always on vacation um she's like constantly flaunting like her going to different islands and part like parties and stuff like that and it's so it's just a little upsetting because it's like also she had released um future nostalgia like in march like the second week of march which whatever and so it had felt like that album was like released for like us going through it in quarantine so like it was 
for me I just I just kind of like remember that um where I was like oh like this is so cool because she like did her live stream and she was like yeah I'm quarantining in London with my boyfriend and it, it had felt like we were going through it together I guess um and then like um maybe like a couple months later she like went to vacation but she was like oh it's a I think she had said it was a private island and they flew private or something and so I was like okay whatever and then she like constantly keeps posting about like different parties and like another island and so now it's part to the point where like okay now you're just kind of being like tone deaf and insensitive um in so many ways and like people are like well, what does it matter if she's private it's like one that fucks up um the environment just just so you know like flying private does and two like you're also i think people forget like when you go to other countries you guys are kind of like putting other people at risk um and like people do have to do service and like you know um there's people working at the resorts too that like are risking their lives because of you as well so i just think it's it's just kind of annoying that she's like doing all this where it's like i want to support you and i love you but it's like damn can you just not be a little so toned up um but she it that's not as bad um the weekend I mean I'm sure other people have issues but the only the only time I got mad at the weekend was when he went to Kendall Jenner's party and that just disgusted me one because I'm like why would you associate with the Kardashians and two it's a pandemic like don't be fucking stupid out here like going to like parties that's like annoying and insensitive it just it got me so mad I also feel a little wishy-washy about the Super Bowl because that one hand I mean you guys know I've been supporting him since like 2012 I'm like I've seen him like a million times um but I have very strong views about the Super Bowl and the NFL so part of me is like I love that you're getting this exposure but another part of me is like I just feel like you're, you're kind of like supporting the NFL and I don't like that um okay Adele that whole like Bantu knots thing I just think it's a little stupid that she like didn't comment on it I don't know if anyone else feels differently about that but I just think it's like to me, it just, I just think that's tacky to like know that you're part of a um, kind of scandal and then just not to say anything at all. A little tacky. But that's the privilege. <laughs> that's the privilege. Also, Adele got some black dick, let's be honest, and thought she could get away. She thought she could get away with some shit. And that's why it's annoying. Do you guys feel, because I, I don't know. I, when all of this happened, I noticed that a lot of British Jamaicans were basically like, do you girl, you look great. This is fantastic, whatever. So I'm just kind of like, if they don't give a shit, why should I? Because I I don't think it's just Jamaican hairstyles. It's not with the Bantu knots. It's not, but like with the flag and stuff like that, a part of me just feels like I get the social implications here. I get that she's flexing her privilege and she should have said something, but I also just feel like... I ain't going to be mad at this dumb little white girl if no one else is. Well, yeah. So like, I wasn't mad about the, I'm like, my family's also Jamaican. I, I can understand. No one's, I don't think anyone was mad about the Jamaican flag. I don't think anyone was mad about the flag either. It was the Bantu It was the Bantu knots. And also, you just look crazy. You look like, stupid. You didn't crazy. At all. She didn't put forth any work into that outfit. Literally, she probably None. spent four hours getting the damn Bantu knots done because her hair, hair can't stay in that hairstyle because it's not made for her goddamn hair texture. And that's all she did. Why? Well, I did. just think it's like you can't um, get mad at Kim Kardashian for doing the same thing. Like, keep that same energy is how I see it. It's like mm. everyone wants to go down Kim's neck, but it's like, oh, Adele, you're fine. It's kind of like the basically saying your best white friend can say the n-word it's like you can say it but not you guys it's like yeah no i'm gonna keep that same energy that was fucked up (laughs) 
But De- Adele was fucked up, but we also know it was a black person that did her hair. So whoever did her oh, fucking hair is messed up. Yeah. It was a black person that did her hair. Well, no white person doing her hair. Bantu knots are. Exactly. exactly. And her edges were kind of laid. It was a black person that did it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, they wrong for like, that. Y'all are just as wrong. If you're going to do Kim Kardashian's hair, charge her $20 million or something. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. That just, it bothered me because I'm just like, oh, Adele, you're so smart. And it's just like, I think for me, it was more like, to not even like uh, address it. And then she went on SNL and there was a sketch about her um, going to an island for, about, for black men. So I was just like, this seems a little fetishizy. And again, you never addressed it. So I was just like, um, J. Cole, I mean, everyone knows recently, he just, he just says dumb shit. Um, that's basically it with him. Dave Chappelle, I mean, I'm still a fan, but I know people like he, he is uh, transphobic. Yeah. I, my, my male friend decided to like take me through like all of Dave Chappelle's co- like comedy, like from like the nineties. And I just, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm a little more lenient with comedians because like, I am a huge fan of comedy. I used to work at a comedy network. So like, uh, I, I just have like a little, I guess like closer than average, to, like the comedy world, um, like being really involved in that community. So, so, it's interesting because like sometimes it's like this is too far but then sometimes it is like it's a joke but I think what people fail to forget is that you have to be funny first and if it's just like not hitting it's not hitting so you can't be like lol you're, if you're gay. only funny when you're making <laughs> like, right you like if you're only funny that. when you're being transphobic that's not funny See, yeah, that's it's not funny that's what I don't understand about this whole argument with Dave Chappelle and where why can't we have comedy comedy's comedy let comedy be comedy comedy should adjust to society so if all of society has woken the hell up and decided that transphobia is not a good thing then it's time for you to adjust you just can't use the excuse of this is comedy just no, like I agree. It's, it's not it's, it's okay. weird it's it's like a weird thing because like um i don't know i'm trying to get an example but like also comedy it's like and this is like I guess when I hear um, jokes about like black people, I'm like, oh, like stereotypes is comedy. Like in terms of like when you make a joke, like you, it's funny because like, oh, we all know this stereotype. Not, I'm not talking about on the trans uh, phobia side because I can't speak to that. I'm talking like when comedians make jokes about like black people or something. Like to me, I'm like, oh yeah, it's funny because like it's I, that's like the art of comedy. If it's, it's a it's, black person making a joke about black people, yeah. I will accept it. If it's an Asian but person making you, jokes about Asian people, okay. Well, I don't know because like but you also have to look at the room that these people are in. They're making jokes about black people to a lot of spaces that are filled with white that's people, true. and then white people take that that's back, true. and they're like, "This is and and yeah," and then they take advantage of that situation. So I'm like, you are literally making your money at the expense of like your whole community for the entertainment of white people. Yeah. That's true too. I get that. I guess it's like. I don't know. The comedy thing is a little weird because I, I do feel like maybe I'm a little biased because I like was in the comedy space and like do pay very much attention to the comedy space. Like I know people have issues with Chris Rock. He's my other problem, like fave. Um, and then before this, these are people I cut off. So Ava DuVernay, because she really pissed me off with that whole wishing Donald Trump well when you did a whole ass movie about uh, the Central Park Five when he like tried to kill those kids and you're you're going to wish him well. You could have just shut it like shut up like that was i don't know i just thought that was really stupid and then she tried to like attack a black woman who like tried to call her out so i'm like not only did you stick up for donald trump now you're you have a problem with the black woman. okay that just pissed me off so i was like you're done um and then okay kevin hart after the whole uh for me it was like him cheating on his wife because i'm like 
I don't know. I was just like, I can't condone this. Like, you like were so mean to your ex-wife, and then you got some young girl pregnant, and then cheated on her while she was pregnant. I can't condone that. And then had the whole docu. I didn't watch it, the docu series on Netflix where he like didn't really take responsibility for anything that had happened. And then, and also, I think for him, like in the comedy aspect, like okay, I used to be a huge Kevin Hart fans. Like, there's um pictures of me and like his t-shirts in like high school. Like that's how far back it went. Like I was like a huge, huge fan. So I was always like you know, like just supporting him until that happened. And then I watched his like last stand up. It was fucking terrible it was and not good it was, it was not good i watched bad, it with my parents it, it was, was not bad good. and also i think he does things where it's like kind of like amari said like you do all this stuff for white people and for me i think his comedy is like watered down and it's just for him to get a check from white people like it's not funny like he's like i'll be in this movie i'll be in this movie i'll be in this movie and it's just like it's not funny you're just doing it to get like a check like i don't know be like more selective and tiffany haddish was recently because Oh, apparently she did some dumb shit on uh, Clubhouse and she like basically is like supporting an anti-vaxxer. Um, did any of you guys hear about this? No. Oh, okay. So basically she, she like was supporting some anti-vaxxer and this black woman, I think who's a doctor, was like telling her like, no, this is this information is wrong. It was like stuff about the vaccine. And so she's, I think she started to join another Clubhouse room, like specifically like talking shit about this woman and the woman like I think attempted to commit suicide i'm surprised that you guys heard this I, I think i got all the facts right but let me just double check looking up so i can send it to you guys but this is why okay this is why i'm like really not sure about clubhouse and just like all platforms in general because i say this as we were talking on a podcast on a podcast but i mean i feel like we do enough research behind certain things when we talk that it's like we're not going to come to the table without facts whereas people just say shit and they have more access to an audience and they just spread false information and then they get mad at people when they try to educate them hence what we were trying to do with whatever her name lolo jojo fofo <laughs> whatever her name is lolo jones on twitter yeah, Lolo Jones, who like oh, God, does not understand her. what colorism is. And we were nicely trying to educate her because you can't be spreading this false information to people when you have such a big platform. I don't get it. Bro. Also, you're a celebrity. You're a celebrity. Like, why are you going to be? Why are you going to do that, Tiffany? Oreo gang. It was old dark 30, midnight o'clock. And Amari and Kia, they were going off. I, I'm Twitter. gonna make a YouTube video about this. I, I was supposed to release it last week, but I wanted. Yeah. Long story short, I was watching the challenge, my favorite show. Lolo Jones is on it. Didn't know the bitch was mixed until uh, I don't know recently, and she was coming for some black girl in the comments. I came in very nice, very very nice, and then she came at me, cursing at me and all the stuff. And then me and Amari, like Amari Hofton, basically she's a dummy. That's all you need to know. But I'll post the screenshots later. <laughs> and that's it for my problematic faves. <laughs> okay, I'll do my next. I'll do my next. Um, so mine, like Kia mentioned, my top one is Ariana Grande. Now, for those of you who don't know what a niggerfish is, I wrote an entire thing about it on Vice, and I know the name is very funny. It makes everyone kiki, but it's a real thing. Now, niggerfish is a phenomenon that happens on social media. It started on social media where basically white women will 
you know, get the lip shop. So they have big lips, uh, tan a ton and, and, you know, they're basically catfishing to look like black women or biracial women. And they're not claiming the fact they're, they're not misleading you or they are misleading you. They're not saying that they're white, but they're not saying that they're black either. They're just like, here's my face. And everyone assumes that they're mixed because they're doing everything or, or they look a certain way, but they're not being like, oh no, I'm, I'm German. You know, they're, they're just not, they're being real quiet about it. So like a year or two ago, something like that, it was like this entire thing on Twitter where nigger fishes on social media were being exposed and tons of black women were taken to Twitter to be like, this influencer is white. And I think a, a girl named Emma Hallberg was like a big one where it was like, she looked mixed, but like you see pictures of her from two, three years ago and she looks as white as can be. And now suddenly she just decided to start tanning and all that other stuff. So Ariana Grande is a nigger fish. She does all of the things to make herself look like a woman of color, but she's not. Even in some interviews, people have said that she's speaking with a bit of a black scent um, and trying to sound more ethnic. I mean, She's way darker than she used to be. Uh, the songs that she's made to talk about her tracks and her hair and her ass. It's just like Ari. Girl. Hey, can I step in really quick? Yeah, step in. Um, this reminds me of The Bachelor. Can I still for a sec? Okay. Uh, <laughs> when So Ariana Grande, like I said, I'm biased. So I, I feel like maybe my, my opinion is a and little. I love her too. This is why she's my problematic fave because I'm not stepping away from Ariana. I love her music. I think she's talented. When she makes a little song about her tracks and her hair, I'm like, ha, girl, stop. Like, I love Ariana. Did, wait, okay, so kind of like what you guys said when like someone did Adele's hair. So Ariana Grande, it's weird because this is like, the where's the line of like appreciation versus appropriation because her entire team is black. And so like literally everyone that writes her music, like does her dances, all stuff. The whole team's black. Her best friend, um, Victoria Monet, is black. And also, I kind of, I don't know if this is an excuse, but I guess I'm kind of like, oh, I'm glad you have like a black team supporting you. Where if it was like white people who were like, Ariana, talk about your weave, girl, or something like that, like that would be a little problematic. But also, I do like how Ariana like backs up like her support for black people, where it's like she she will have like only black artists open her open for her tours and like give them more exposure. Um, and she'll have like black women in the center. Like when she did God is a woman, like performing on the VMAs, like the black woman was a dark skinned black woman was the center of that. Like she was the God that they were like, you know, being like, God is a woman. This is her. Um, and then she does like, you know, actually donate to black lives matter and, and step and speak up about issues where I'm like, and especially LGBT issues because her brother. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't, I just say that's because um, I think a lot of people do that and don't also do the work. And that's kind of how I feel about Bruno Mars. I know people have say he's problematic. I didn't put him on there because I didn't think it was problematic, but he does have an entire black team. He only works with black people, black artists, Ariana Grande too. Everyone that's featured on the last three albums is black, um, only black. So I don't know. I don't know if that has anything to take away with it, but I do like how, you know, their team and what they stand for actually backs backs up, like if they're going to like appreciate black culture. Which is nice. But I think the frustration that comes with that is like, you can be a white artist, have a whole black team and get to a certain 
level. Like you would say like maybe Ariana's only at this stats because of who her team is, but a lot of black people are not going to talented black people are not going to reach at the heights that Ariana Grande has had. Um, and like, yeah, that's fair. If she was black, would she would, would a black artist who was on the same level as Ariana be able to do that? I don't know. And that's shitty too, because I feel like, I guess, I guess again, like this is my own biases of like, to me, I'm going to support the black, you know, I'm going to support the Normani as well, just as much as I, you know, but I guess that's true. Like a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't support them or like I know a lot of people said something about um Leon Bridges and Bruno I don't know if that's exactly the same but like someone who's traditionally more south and jazz and soul versus Bruno who is like a Puerto Rican um having he's the same cool. level he's, he's, he's Pacific Islander no he's Puerto Rican girl yeah thought- yep trust me I know baby I know <laughs> Islander oh god <laughs> he's from he's born and raised from Hawaii but he is Puerto Rican too um and i can get behind what both of you guys are saying about ariana grande um i do think it's also important to highlight that like ariana's managers are white and i think it it all of these things just make me question the people and their intention and it's like has ariana grande always been pro-black and an ally or did her white managers tell her this is what's popping in the streets right now and then eventually seeing everything happening in the world she was like oh this might be a good idea you know what i mean she still did steal her entire hook from princess nokia a woman of color princess nokia i'm not sure if she's black or hispanic or indian i'm not sure but that's a woman of color and she never really took a step and said i'm so sorry i did that she basically was an asshole about it so it's kind of like i I don't i don't know i don't know that's true and this goes this goes into my next problematic faith what you just one just another thing ariana (laughs) is another one of those um white women who fetishizes black men um, she might be with some white men right now, but she has had a history of fetishizing black people. So. Wait, when did she do that? Yeah, when did she do that? And I think in the beginning, like she was just like dating like a whole bunch of black dudes. She just dated Big Sean, I thought. I only remember Big Sean. She's always dated the same dorky looking Italian white man. Pete Davidson. Skinny, tall. The guy she's engaged to looks just like Pete Davidson. Just less tattoos or no tattoos. I don't know. Okay, maybe she's not specializing black men but she's definitely specializing the black woman by making her look like one yeah no she is she is so that brings me to my next point of k-pop um i'm just gonna run through it quickly but taking black sound there's a huge uh, history of colorism within the Asian community, um, hyper-masculinity, hyper-femininity, um, unrealistic body expectations, really censoring and controlling artists. K-pop is just kind of a dirty industry. It really, really is. And there are some artists that are better than others when it comes to, you know, BTS, my boys, they're constantly um, giving back to the Black community. Well, I won't say constantly, but they've given back to the Black community and they're always giving credit where credit's due. But BTS still does have uh, past and they still have all done very, very insensitive, discriminatory things. Um, 
And then my last, I'll say with teen dramas, uh, like me and Amari mentioned earlier, or like I mentioned earlier and Amari talked about too. um, There's just kind of this classic formula with a lot of teen dramas of like the pretty quiet girl or the mysterious bad girl um, who always has a fat best friend or a black best friend or a gay best friend or their fat black and gay um, who has absolutely no story arc whatsoever other than being supportive and sassy. Um, And then there's always that whole bad boy trope or the jock who likes the dorky girl trope. Um, It's always like the same thing. Uh, And I feel like it can be really, really damaging to young people who think they need to fall within those lines to kind of, I don't know, get love or respect or popularity. So those are mine. Yeah, so I guess it's good that mine were not that many, but um, Stephanie Meyer is problematic because it was revealed that from one of the first directors of the movie, Catherine Hardwick, that she was really against making the cast more diverse. Like Catherine Hardwick wanted to make the Cullen clan itself more diverse and Stephanie Meyer was really against that. But she was open to the idea of making Laurent uh, a person of color. So they made him black and he also happens to be the darkest person in the whole franchise i think and he's evil um and then she also opened up bella's friend group to more diverse like i think she has she has um there's i think his name was eric in the no i don't know either way they're more diverse i can't remember any of their names shows you how much of a story arc they all had um uh, so she was really against that jk rowling she's um disgustingly transphobic and keeps on exposing herself. Allison Romaine made a comment about Chrissy Teigen and like, I think it was maybe like Marie Kondo about, um, who are both Asian women about how they have all these like uh, product lines, but really no talent and haven't done anything to deserve it. Meanwhile, like she's done X, Y, and Z. And oh, this is why she deserves this. Was this the girl this from the New York Times that? Yeah. Yeah, New York Times. And I, I was upset because I would like, watch her i would only watch her new york times cooking videos because i really liked i really liked her kitchen but i also like really liked um just like her energy and how she would set things up and then she said that and i was like oh but then also when you look at a lot of the people with the new york times who get most of the uh facetime are like white people when they're making like ethnic food and it's very problematic but you see that with bon appetit too um in Doja Cat, I was really just starting to get into Doja Cat. And then I think it was Janae that was talking to me or like told me mostly about like how Doja was in all these chat rooms with like like white supremacists or like just making these comments about black people. And I was like, bitch, you black. I was really into Doja Cat too. And I, I had like to let Doja her Doja Cat had like multiple chances though, because I don't know if you guys remember when she was doing the bitch, I'm a, I'm a cow thing. Um, it had came out that she had said some homophobic stuff before that. So then people kind of were like, doja that was wrong and slowly forgave her because it you know she had apologized whatever okay then she you know did that chat room which which i think that was just a whole nother level of like you self-hate it was just gross and like she's mixed i think that that too um and i she also works with dr luke who was accused of raping kesha like that was her he did her Uh, whole album i think uh yeah she just keeps doing stuff and she she said some dumb shit about COVID recently too. She had a live and she was basically like, what is a She's COVID? always at like, parties. Don't She's be a always at ass. parties. She also called yeah. Beyonce Beyonce. She's like, like basically called her donkey. Oh, right. I forgot about oh, that. Oh, and she made a whole song that was basically like 
um, hidden code word for white supremacists about like what's wrong with her, bro? Too. And it's weird because it's like you're in rap, like you're you want to be in rap in like a black genre. <laughs> but that's just like how. But that's a very white. Let's just be honest. She does not have a good relationship with her dad, who is the black person. She was raised by her mom, who is white. And what she does a lot of the time is like what white people are great at doing is loving black culture and hating black people. That's true. It's just sad to see it. I and guess. then profiting off when of it. It's like, damn, you really are a black woman, though. That's like, I don't know. It's just really sad. Does she and identify do, as a black woman? I Yeah, okay. I think so. And I do. I do wonder because Doja Cat is just getting more and more popular. Like right now, Doja Cat is kind of the it girl. She's featuring in everyone's music. And I do wonder how artists feel. I don't think they I care. Mean, Ariana Grande, we just talked about her. I- exactly. Ariana Grande, we just talked about her. She just came out this the week remix, with 34 and 35. Uh, Doja and Meg. Exactly. Featuring we can feature her, her song. too. And, then and before have- that was Chloe and Hallie. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure she's going to be working with SZA next because I follow SZA and I've noticed that her and Doja Cat have had some, there's been some reposting and commenting on pictures. So I'm like, these two are about to work together too. And I'm like, you see all of this stuff happening in the media as an artist. And I wonder if you have a moment where you're like, well, there were rumors made up about me too. So I don't know if any of this stuff is true. If they say it's not true, then it's not true. Or is it like my manager's telling me to do this, so I'm going to do it. I always wonder. Or one of the next questions you had is like, when is supporting a problematic fave like too much? When's the final straw? Because I guess that's kind of like a biased opinion, but I feel like there does have to be a level of like, if we just let people get away with things, um, then they're just going to get away with things. But also it's kind of like, we we do have to forgive people too at, at some point, not all the time, um, for like if it's a lighter offense. So like, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Personally, someone like R. Kelly I'm never forgiving someone like Harvey Weinstein. I'm never forgiving um, Donald Trump. <laughs> I, I, there was never anything there for me to even close to consider forgiving along with Harvey Weinstein and, and, and uh, R. Kelly. But I think people like that are unforgivable. I think someone like a Doja Cat or a J.K. Rowling Right now, I'm not in a space where I could forgive or, and you know, I can't, I can't even say that because I just finished the entire Harry Potter series. Uh, then you have people who still like, I will say support R. Kelly, you know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. And I just feel like if you're doing things like destroying people's lives, I can't forgive that. I feel like destroying people's lives and saying dumb shit are two different things. The dumb shit, I'll put you on the back burner for a while and not purposely support you or go out of my way to support you, right? My parents owned all the Harry Potter books. So technically I didn't do any supporting, uh, but still, uh, I just, yeah, I'm done. I think that's a good way to put it. I, I think I think there is, um, there's a murky line where it's not just, it goes beyond saying dumb shit and it goes beyond, it goes into feeding into oppressive language that then can be used against people so jk rowling i i mean your parents already owned that book you already technically supported her i mean it, it it's really confusing because like it, it is a, a very big attachment to growing up but i i can't i like can't i haven't been able to continue the series because like she is adding fuel to very oppressive language and she does it knowingly 
people call her out and like when your whole freaking cast is saying like i don't support you and i can't agree with you when the people that technically kind of like help you make harry potter can't support you anymore i feel like it's okay I think like, it's also just, another like, thing to double down on it i think off. it's like okay you made one one right. comic kind of like doja cat okay you made the homophobic comic you apologize you seem like you learned from it whatever um okay we'll move forward but then to like double down and be like nope i said what i said girl and i think that's what's really telling is that when people do stuff i'll try to like you know, research all the, the things that they've said and like get as much information about it, but it's really how they respond to these allegations or what they've said that I think is really telling. Like I, I had a really big problem when, um, oh, I should have put a mess one of my problematic faves, even though he's not, I don't really pay attention to him more anymore. Is like Aziz Ansari when that whole um, I feel that. sexual misconduct situation happened. And at first I was like really against, I was kind of defending him or like I was like this is really murky but then I you know ironic nasty twist of fates I found myself in a very similar situation that 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 girl was in and I started to understand the where she was coming from and how how it was how people don't understand when you're in these situations where it's not as easy just to say no like it's sometimes when I found myself in a similar situation was like the only way I can get out of this is going through it. So I went through it. Um, and also like the way he like started to make jokes about what had happened. And like when he was like starting to resurface, I was like, I just can't support this anymore. Um, and I think he's slowly starting to make a comeback. Like I saw a movie, I don't know what the movie's called that's coming out and he's in it. And I was just like, I don't know. So I think it definitely is telling how people respond to these allegations. Like Army Hammer with the whole cannibalism thing, he was like, what he say? Now I can't be in this movie because I have to be with my family during this time. It's like, nah, you got you got caught for like referencing someone as a slave and saying you want their toe in your pocket like a freaking weirdo. You lost that job because you're doing weird ass shit. Um, and then he's like blaming blaming that for why he didn't get that movie anymore there is someone that i feel like is the elephant in the room that i michael jackson (laughs) see i said see but when you when you said r kelly i thought you were gonna say michael jackson too well now i did think uh, michael has been like on the tip of my tongue this entire episode because it's hard the tip of the tongue the teeth the lips oh the, the michael jackson thing i do feel like sometimes i'm like here are you are you an R, like kind of being like an r kelly supporter because exactly. i do love michael jackson he's my favorite artist ever oh wow like, i cried okay. All i right. cried no 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 you don't understand i cried when michael jackson died i remember it it was june 25th all right you don't have to go down the road girl no i'm just i'm just trying to give you context like i do okay. love him so much but then it's like i don't know because it was found out that like were those kids telling the truth in that doc or not it's still murky I don't know. but it's too many damn people to come forward the, to say but, something you're right but also That's true. you put yourself in this situation with little boys why are you alone with little what boys what grown From man that, does that what grown man what grown fair. Stan fair. man does that yet and still from that it's like yet and still none of us have openly decided to cancel michael jackson it seems to be especially with black people it seems to be like a he's dead I let's don't, just let it go i haven't i don't i don't i have not actively listened to his music i think in it, several years i think being dead kind of helps and i think i think people always say like when i, I don't know because when people are like oh don't bring up kobe's like past because he's dead but it's like that was part of his life too. It's good and bad. And so it's like, 
I don't think you can fault people for bringing up the bad that people did because you can't just have the whole Instagram highlight reel of your life when you're dead. You also did some stuff. And yes, those are there are consequences to the good things you do and the bad things you do. And I don't like when people are like, oh, he's dead. Stop turning his name. Like, no, he did the stuff when he was alive, just like he did the good things when he was alive. And I think the, the whole thing about problematic faves is that like, like you said, Kay, like no one is wholly good. So like it's it's this it's this weird thing where I think sometimes we like really want to be able to easily put people in this category of being wholly bad or wholly good. And it's just everything is really great and murky. I mean, sometimes it's like, no, you're just the devil reincarnated. Like that's just like disgusting. You can easily put them in that box. Um, but I think a lot of the problematic faves that we have talked about is like what like what is that what is that level for you? What is what are they gonna do that like you can't you can't support them anymore but also with michael jackson i feel like he i feel like his whole life is just a li- like there were other instances i feel like before the children <laughs> before the kids were it was like that came out it was also a little like why is no one ta- like are we t- like do we really believe that he did he have that disease that like vitiligo where he just felt like i have to make my whole in what no i, no, I also think dude. it's like kind of things where like you see like the relationship with him and his dad like the mental illness i think also sadly because his accusers were white that black people you know are more likely to be like is a black person's word against a white person i'm going with the black person not saying that agreed but kind of like the oj simpson thing where people were like there's lots of that but people were like more likely to support oj because the accuser was white I think that's just like the reality of it. Um, but lastly, uh, when do you call out your problematic fave? Like, do you call them out? And like, to what extent? So I personally, I don't know how I feel about calling out the problematic fave. And personally, it's because everyone else calls out things that people do that are problematic. And I'm never really the first person to get on it. So I just feel like it's the echo chamber. I feel like if I want to do something about it, then I'll stop supporting the person. That's interesting. I I feel like if it's someone I know personally who is doing something that is problematic and I feel like I can reach them, I'll say something. But if it's just a celebrity. I think I I do it anyway, because I feel like it's an obligation. So like even when like the weekend went out to that party, I did like comment on his Instagram post. I did tweet at him a little bit. I'm like, I don't know if he'll see it, but I've been following you since 2012. So you're going to see it Um, because and it made me feel better. It's like, yeah, I don't want to like be like I'm against COVID and partying and then I'm supporting someone that is partying. Like I'm going to call it out. I think maybe that's like a moral thing for me where it makes me feel better because I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep to my morals and keep that same energy. Um, But I did like. And I'll make sure I call out, I guess, smaller known problematic faves. So like podcast hosts where like I do comment on the podcast um, tweet or something and be like, you know, you did X, Y, and Z wrong. I think you should address it. And I, I, I like how people are like receptive to that. So like the Bitch Bible um, podcast, she had said something about Beyonce that I didn't really, it just came off very like um, racist in a way I think she just thought she was being funny but it just came off racist and I, I said like you know you have to understand from like black women's perspective this is why we support her in xyz or something I don't I forgot what she said but she was receptive to it and she was like you're right like thanks for calling me out on that and like she had mentioned something about like Jewish people relationship to black people and I I also gave that same energy and I said like thank you for bringing it up because a lot of people like to compare the two and it's just not comparable so 
I don't know. I also think like if it's a lesser known celebrity, I think like having that dialogue is important because you're still supporting that person and giving them a platform. So like, I would just like, I would hope people did that with our podcast too, where it's like, you felt like we weren't addressing a situation, right? You come to us and hold us accountable because you are supporting our platform in a way, even if it's smaller than a famous person. And people have, like, I remember in the, I did this reel uh, about like how, you know, like when people call you an Oreo, like how to respond or whatever. And I made, and there was like one line and I only used the line because someone actually did tell me in person that I was their spirit animal. So I use that as like, uh, I use that as a gag in the, in the joke, but someone's like, you should stop using that term. And I was like, thank you for pointing that out. Like, I don't normally use that term, but I used it X, Y, and Z, but we had a dialogue about it. And I think it's fine to call out people um, when they do something iffy, when they do something wrong. I personally on Twitter, I'm just like, like kind of like Janae said, people already say it before I even have a chance to articulate it. So I just be retweeting people like when they're like call someone out because I agree with it. I just don't necessarily always feel like I have something to add to this space that hasn't already been said. So I'm just like, enough people already did it for me. Maybe that's wrong, but like enough people already did it for me. Um, but yeah, I think the only time I've actually actively called someone out and she's not even my fave, I did not even think about her was Lolo Folo Sholo. Um, <laughs> she used to be my fave. Not anymore. I hate you. And after that, I was like, I never want to do that again. I had so much fucking anxiety for like, I was like shaking oh, no. as I'm like, as I'm tweeting, I'm like shaking. I had so much adrenaline. So I'd never want to do that I think people, if it helps, I think people like you gave kind of like the educational response. Like I kind of was like, I'll try to keep it cute. But then I feel like I really tried and then I was like, nah, I'm going for the jugular. But you were like, this is the books. Here are the stats. And I think people didn't like it because it wasn't just like I was attacking her. But I was like, nope, here's the stats. And so now you look extra dumb. But yeah. Yeah, I just felt like I had to come in because I was like, I know Kia. And I was like, Kia did not have to be nice from the jump. Did and it? he was trying. And I was like, Kia's trying so hard to I'm be nice. And the, fact that, and the fact that she like was twisting your words, I just had to. I was like, I just need to jump in there because I know Kia. And if she wanted to go after you, she would have taken this opportunity right now to tell you about yourself. And she didn't. That's why it was so frustrating because I was like, I know myself. I could go zero to 100 real quick. It's happened. You can see my tweets, whatever. I am I can do it. But I was like, I'm going to try to be nice. Like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try to help her. And I was like, she came back in response. I'm going to try it again. And then it was just like, you lost me. I'm semi-saved. I'm not all the way there yet. So that's what you're getting. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you for seeing that. Yes. Um, um, I guess we should go into social responses. Do you want to do Twitter first or Insta? I'll do Twitter because it's real quick. Um, Twitter, we got, we asked you guys who your problematic fave was, and it was Chris Brown, Wendy Williams, Little Wayne, Azalea Banks, and Doja Cat. Um, I think with Little Wayne and Azalea Banks, I feel like that's too far gone. Yeah. Azalea Banks much like Kanye West is another one that I really used to love and respect. But then a while back years ago, when it came out that she was bleaching her skin, I'm like, really bitch. And then she always tries to claim like, but Oh, you're anti-black, you're a colorist. And it's like, what? But you're bleaching and your then skin recently though. With her body shaming Beyonce and Doja Cat and Megan the Stallion, her, uh, digging up her dead cat and then making a stew out of the cat and like playing with the bones. I'm like, this bitch has mental health issues. She needs help. She needs some milk. 
Um, so yeah, but I feel like that's a sturdy list actually of like problematic people. Sturdy. I'm surprised we didn't mention Chris Brown because he'd be I I I was like so that easy. Like, I have that man off. Was it from 20, 2009? From Rihanna. From long time ago. Yeah. I think it was. I, yeah. Because you like, always see snap, people like saying like, snap. oh, that was whatever years ago. When did we forgive him? So I feel like that's Never. like always a Because even combo. after Rihanna, he was doing some infl- inflammatory shit towards Karuche. So to me, that shows that you've always been an abuser. You ain't learned your damn lessons. It just hasn't been publicized that you've hit women or you've switched to emotionally abusing women instead of physically abusing them. Either way, Christopher, stay your ass over there. I think that's fair. Lamar, you want to do Instagram? Sure. Instagram, you got a lot. And I had to, this proved to me that I don't know as much as I think I know because I didn't know who half of these people were or if I did know who they were. I'm like, wait, I don't, I didn't know they did anything problematic. Um, But someone said Andrew Schultz. I had to go back and ask who that was. And they said he does the Brilliant Idiots podcast with Charlemagne. From they said Charlemagne, I was like, okay, problematic. you would hate Um, Andrew Schultz so much. Like he, I cannot get through I can't even imagine Amari like attempting to get through Andrew Schultz, but he is awful. Okay, so he does the Brilliant Idiots podcast with Charlemagne. His comedy is usually on the edge and he can be kind of polarizing. You either love him or can't stand him because you think he's an asshole. I think he's so hilarious. And I told the person, I was like, from the moment you said Charlemagne, I probably would be on the list that he's an asshole. Um, oh, he sucks someone so else said Dan Harmon and I looked him up. I think there was some sexual assault stuff there. Someone said Bad Bunny. I'm re- I'm waiting for a response on why because I don't know what Bad Bunny did. Um, J.K. Rowling, we know Cardi, Ianla, both City Girls. I asked for some clarification too with those. I don't like Ianla, so I don't really. So uh, I was like, I know why she's problematic, but I don't pay attention to City Girls or really Cardi B like that. So oh, somebody I should tell me. I should have put Cardi B on my problematic face. She's problematic, but I love her. All right. Well, I can say Trisha Paytas because I know who that is. She is YouTube trash, actually. Uh, there's Lori, who I assume is Lori Harvey, um, Candace Owens. I had to go back to that person and say what? And they said um, that it was just because they find her low-key entertaining, even though she's very problematic. They can't stop watching her. Um, That's disgusting. I'm sorry. <laughs> Justin Bieber. Uh, and then someone else said cliche, but Kanye. They said college dropout will forever be attached to my soul. Okay, let's move it forward to the sheets. Hey, so-called Oreo listeners. It's your girl, Claire D. I know you're probably like, huh? Who did? Well, I'm the host of Relationships, a podcast where I drunkenly discuss and discover the different ways in which people choose to connect with my amazing guests. From wholesome family fun. Not every dude can be a stay-at-home dad. You have to really be open to those generals being blurred. Because that's how my dad Mm -hmm. was. He was like, I don't care if you work. The kids got to get taken care of regardless. So if it's me, it's me and I'm not tripping about it. To romantic relationships. We are, you know, the exception, not the rule. Because, you know, people always like, oh, high school sweethearts, blah, blah, it's so cute. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, it is. But, like, you know, there's been a lot of, like, a lot, a, of work. a lot of work and as many great times as we've had. We've had some, like, equally rough, hard times. And a whole lot of sex. Sex. <laughs> I got you. What do you need to know? It's like a female ejaculation celebration. 
And what we organized, and we and we Wait, and like we figured squirting? It, it's squirting. Yes, we had a squirt sommelier who like squished the squirt around in his. No, in his what? It was, yeah, it was. It was yeah. So here we go. We blow our minds, right? And wow. um, I think it was one point two liters. That's a lot. People view porn as something being done to women. One of the main problems people have with it and not something women do for themselves. And for some of those harsher scenes, the BDSM where women are getting slapped or cuffed or whatever, for some people that's their thing. There are a lot of people who have had sexual assaults or other traumas who find healing with that. There are people who have not had sexual assaults that have found healing with BDSM. A dick sleeve, you put it on your shaft and it's really just that simple. It's not a solo sex toy, but it's more of a partner sex toy. Oh, yes, okay. so you basically turn your dick and you turn yourself into a human dildo. Grab your wine, grab your snacks, and tune in every Thirsty Thursday for a new episode of Relationships on all major podcast platforms. Uh, we got a whole bunch of questions this week. Um, Should we only do one though? I think we can or do you quickly want to do blast her. Like- yeah, and I okay. don't really have any ads. I don't know. I can't answer any of these. So I feel like Janae yeah, can just I'm, answer I'm all blast through. Okay. So do you work hard and choose a career path to impress yourself, your friends, or your parents? Now, this is a trap that so many of us get stuck in, working hard to do things because we think that other people will like us doing them or we do them to please other people. Stop it. Stop it. And I know it's way, way, way easier said than done. It's so much easier said than done. But I think a way to combat this is to check in with yourself with even little things you do. If someone asks you to hang out, check in with yourself and say, do I actually want to hang out with this person? Or do I think this person's going to be upset with me if I say no? Start with little things like that and then work your way up to your career. If you don't really want to be a lawyer or if you're feeling like, do I want this? I don't know. My parents really want this. Check in with yourself and say, what do I want? And how do I start doing what I want? I think it's also attached to like the idea of like a flashy job. And like we have this thing in America where if you work for the biggest company, you're like better than everyone else. And we're seeing this conversation when it comes to like raising the minimum wage and so many people are against they're like putting people down for being burger flippers and all this stuff. And I think we're so attached to like, oh, you work at this company, so you're here. And I think as someone who's worked at very large companies, um, that doesn't make you happy. And like, I'm actually trying to look at a smaller company right now because I think I was so obsessed with the idea that, oh, I made it because I was at this big company and my parents are proud of me and my friends are proud of me and Kia works at this, this, this. And then it's like, at the end of the day, I don't know if I'm, that makes me happy. And that's what more, what's more important to me. So I just think, keep that in mind. And I think the, the clearer you can do to like what you want, the happy you are. I know it's really cliche, but I think with age, I learned that the hard way. That's something that, like, I think I want young people to, like, know really on. The grass is always greener on the other side. So just focus on growing your own damn grass. There you go. I love um, that. Thank you. Did you steal that from someone or did you just make that up? Grow your own damn grass. Just made it up. How do you deal with pandemic loneliness? I'm 19 and never had a BF before. Girl, I don't know. Because just last night I was laying in my bed and I was like, it'd be so nice if I had someone laying next to me. (laughs) So I don't know. I think I've, I think I've really tried to make it a point to prioritize my other friendships and, and my other relationships, because I'm realizing that although I'm feeling lonely and I would love to 
just have someone around that I'm really busy right now and that I have a lot of things going on in my life. So I don't really have the time to devote to getting to know someone emotionally. And I think kind of combating that, make yourself busy, girl, like you prop or boy or boy, you might think that you want to be with someone or they or they you might think that you want to be with someone but just take a step back and ask yourself is that what I need right now or am I doing this because everyone around me is in a relationship also you're 19 you said you're 19 homie you've got your entire life to be shackled to someone else you know people are married for like 30 at 19 that's that's hard to get through I was like that at 19 I was like I'm still not at 25 like I never have a boyfriend and I am too all I've had is Negroes who don't really want to be with me but want to be with me but as someone who's 27 years old and today I turned 27 I'm realizing that you have your entire life to have a career and that's 40 years plus you have 40 years plus to be in a relationship with someone and we sit here focused and harping harping on the fact that you've been alone for 19 years or 20 years that's a blip in time also i think you should ask yourself why you quit loneliness with um a boyfriend and i think there's other ways we can find loneliness but i think that's i was listening to this podcast today about like being intentional and like we have to be intentional as like why we want a relationship is it just not to feel lonely um but i would i would dig deeper into that um and i think like janae said keep yourself busy i know it's easier said than done because i hate it when i was 19 and everyone was like kia you're so yeah. young but it was like no i want this now <laughs> like i get that um but i think it's like you do have to see how what can i bring all this energy if I put so much energy in getting a person and I put that into myself like see how much for that can be internal growth and um in my career and other stuff so I think also practicing gratitude I know that's cliche but you know it does help to like think about you know what am I grateful for at this moment even though it's harder easier said than done I I know but um I think just dig deeper into like why you want someone so much and why you equate that with loneliness. And I think it applies again. Grow your own damn grass, people. I know, once again, it's way easier said than done. But once you start to focus on yourself, I think you'll be able to take a step back and be like, wait, is this something that I really want? Or do I just want this because I think I should have it? Do I want this because everyone else around me is doing it at their stage in life right now? And also listen to our last episodes on societal deadlines. It's all there. It's all there. Yep. 27 and giving you the facts. You know what I'm saying? She's ready. She's giving you the advice. Come through (laughs) 27. I'm old now. I'm the old bitch at the club. I'm not. I'm nah, not. You not. You not. You're not. You're not the 40 year old nigga that's like, hey, sweetie. <laughs> I should have done it like that. I'm sorry. Okay. Last question. How do I accept that I love someone who loved me, but were not compatible, girl or boy or they? <laughs> this is a hard question. This is a really hard question. And once again, the only advice that I can give you is hard advice that you're probably not going to like. Leave them, cry about it, get busy and move on. That, like, That's great advice, though. If you know Why are you yelling not- at me? <laughs> if you know it's not going to work out, the only person that you're hurting is yourself by prolonging this. So it's time for you to accept that 
and move on. And it's hard. Be gentle with yourself and take your time in doing that. But the more you start to realize that, you know, this isn't working and it's not going to work no matter what I do, the easier it'll be for you to start moving on and to start ending the situation with this person. Yeah, I love how in the beginning I said I don't have anything to add, but I do have something to add to this one. Is that I think you should also um, focus on how beautiful it is to have loved someone and to have been loved by someone. And even though you didn't work out, like I think getting to experience that in life, um, I don't think everyone gets to experience that. So I think it's great that you you couldn't recognize that, um, and just because you didn't work out doesn't doesn't really mean that it has to change how you look at that situation with that person. I mean, unless it was like a really bad situation, but um, I think as I've gotten older, I've had to look back at past relationships and being like, no, I do think there was a lot of love there, um, but it just didn't work out. And I can still look back at it that fondly. Yeah. I think that's a hard pill to swallow, but I, I will like, kind of like Amari said, I think congratulate yourself on the compatibility aspect because I think that's actually the hardest thing that people don't realize. Like, and I, I've gone through this too, where it's like, um, with my, sorry, there's like, mm, they're doing the floors. Okay. I'm trying to talk quick so we don't hear it. Um, I think with like my ex, I think it was like so many good things on paper and that we kind of just meshed well. And like, we were good for like three years, but then once you broke up, I was like, oh, maybe we weren't as compatible as I thought. Um, that was a hard pill to swallow because we, we were to a degree, but it wasn't enough. And I think also when it comes to like what you want a partner, it's like you want someone good looking, nice, whatever. And someone can have all those things, but you're still not compatible. And I do want to say, I think this is something that we all go through. I think all three of us on this call have been in a situation with someone who looks great on paper or in some way presents things that you want in a partner, but you know, you have that gut feeling or something happens where you're just like, this won't work out long-term. Like it just won't. Everyone's been through this. So you're not alone. You're, you're really not. But the first step is recognizing it. And I think that's yes. like, congratulations. And you did it. For, yeah. Yeah. You did it. So yeah. Okay. That's it. Uh, happy birthday, Janae. Oh, happy birthday, happy birthday to um, you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Okay. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. And, um, you know, uh, just reassess your problematic face. <laughs> Uh, follow us on all social media at so called Oreos, and you can email us at so called Oreos at gmail.com. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Play, everything else. Please remember to like, rate, subscribe, share, leave a review. Thanks so much, guys. Um, I- bye. <laughs> Today's music. Bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>